0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, man. We have got a spicy episode for you this week. I think that you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. It will definitely spark some debate, gang. I just want to let you know, on Monday, uh, two days ago, we had our first watch party from the Staff Drama Conference over in the Uncharted Community. So what does that mean? We uh we got together a group of people from the Uncharted Community, there's about 20 of us, and we watched a workshop from the Staff Drama Conference together. So we were in the comfort of our own homes, we get to watch a workshop together, we chat and talk and communicate communicate. communicate throughout the video, uh, ask questions. Um, It was actually a workshop that I put on, so I was there to uh, answer questions. And um, mostly it was great discussion about what these uh, concepts look like in practice and how they can be applied into the practices that were there. So if you want online education that actually changes things in your practice, if you want online education that is fun, if you want to be part of something collaborative, not just sitting and viewing something passive, join Uncharted. Check out the online community. It really is something special head over to unchartedvet.com we'll be doing a lot more of these watch parties they are going to become a regular thing because we're loving them we've got some intensive courses that are going to be coming up in the fall we've got our financial master class that's going to be coming up starting before long we have got our ongoing uh, culture chats our culture club we have got lots of content in the online school but honestly guys the active vibrant community is where it's at there's just nothing else like it if you want to make changes in your practice if you want to make changes in your career and you want to have some ongoing support and encouragement and experience that can be shared, guys, check out the Uncharted community. It is something special. UnchartedVet.com. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Heard you say I'm not the baddest practice manager. You lying, Goss. Oh
1: my God, you're such a nerd. Oh my God.
0: I love Lizzo. I I heart her.
1: I if you know,
0: Lizzo called for a date, I would leave it all behind. <laughs> I would walk out on my children because she's got she. To-
1: <laughs> <laughs> she is pretty fantastic, and I had never I okay. had never heard her music uh, until I was with you in Greenville in April. And uh, you guys, if you ha- can picture it in your head, and I know that you're going to be able to picture Dr. Andy Rourke walking through the streets of Greenville South Carolina singing uh some some lizzo lyrics at the top of his lungs oh like yeah that <laughs> and it's like it's like an earworm right it just it gets in your it gets in your head and you can't get rid of the song and I sang I sang it can you sing it for us the juice the juice song I sang that song <laughs> play it on my oh. playing that play on my juice babe I sang, yeah, yeah I sang yeah, that eat. song.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah,
1: yeah. that song in my head over and over and over again for weeks after seeing you at Uncharted in April, and I now know who Lizzo is, and I didn't at the time, but I feel like she's everywhere, and she is amazing.
0: She is. Well, you're welcome for that. I'm glad I could give you that gift of Lizzo. Let's 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 give, uh. let's give some more gifts. Let's give some more let's gifts. Give
1: some gifts. I think we have a really we have a really. Hopefully a good gift to give, but we have uh I think a really, really um great topic to dig into. And it's it doesn't it doesn't feel so great when I when I um when we first started talking about this. I was like, ooh, this is a this is a hard one, but it's definitely a good one to dig into. It's a
0: super hard one. That's that's why that's why we should take a shot at it. I'm not saying we have all the answers, but uh this one is something that people could use help with. And so we got we got emails. We I love when we get emails. So, um, guys, if you have a question for me and stuff, you can shoot it to us at podcast at unchartedvet.com, and we will do with it what we're about to do right now. So here's the gist of what's going on. We've got a technician, and she's working with a new doctor. So the doctor is new to her practice. The uh, practice has generally practiced a very high standard of care in the past. She feels like this doctor specifically is not up to the level that he should be the biggest thing that she's feeling is dentistry, right? So, um, when she is doing dentistry, um, with this, uh, with this doctor, she feels like he's, uh, using a lot of brute force, uh, maybe breaking, breaking, uh, leaving some tooth roots in, uh, in the patient and, you know, kind of, kind of blowing that stuff off, even though they've got dental x-rays, stuff like that. um, so our technician was uh, was deeply bothered by this, as you can imagine. This is not okay, and she went to her manager and said, "This is what is going on. I don't feel comfortable doing dentals of this kind because of his lack of experience." And let me be clear here: she does not think this is a nasty negligent veterinarian. Like don't don't think that mm-hmm. this is an inexperienced problem. But mm-hmm. the the the. Nerve blocks are not up to snuff, um, is what she's sort of saying. Like um, it's kind of a kind of a uh, kind of a scattershot sort of approach, you know what I mean? Uh not she's not convinced these these blocks are are going where they need to go, things like that. And it is an experience, and she is not she's not okay with that. And so again, this is not a monster by intent. This is someone who is inexperienced doctor. Not doing a good good work, honestly, and so she goes and she reports this up the chain. She goes to the manager, and she is told, as a technician, it's not your decision to tell a doctor what he can and cannot do. And she went and she had this conversation specifically because there's a dentistry coming in. We've got uh, some complex extractions, so we got some carnasals uh, that are are going to need to be extracted. And she's saying, I don't think this is going to go well. I don't think this doctor is up for doing this procedure. I have concerns about the standard of care that we're practicing. Right. And I thought that the way that she laid it out looks, uh, was good. And so her, her sort of statements here, uh, to me are, you know, um, I feel like one, this makes me look like a bad technician. Cause I let this happen to someone's pet. Like this does, it reflects on me, right? I'm not trying to tell the doctor what he can or can't do, but I truly feel bad for the patient's, uh, that are getting this type of care, um, and then the the owners are paying top dollar for care that is substandard because it is being delivered by an inexperienced doctor. And so, no, this responsibility doesn't fall on me as the technician, but it falls on my conscience, and I have to go to bed with that at night. <laughs> And so that is why this is uh, this is a tough one. This is a, uh, a a tricky scenario. She's asking for advice. Okay. So um, you know, this is this is tough. But let let's sort of talk through this because I know that there are technicians out there that are working with or for a doctor that they have real questions about, or you know, uh, the quality of care, or they have a standard of care that they believe in and the doctor they work for practices a lower standard of care. Th- Let's talk about that because that is a common experience. So first of all, Steph, where's your head at when we just read this email? Cause you had a strong reaction to it right away.
1: I did. Um, I, I immediately felt for this technician because I have, I have been there. I have been there in in both ways i've been there with being um working with a doctor who i who practices a different standard of care who who is ex- accepting of practicing a different standard of care not necessarily all of the time but maybe in some instances and then i have also been there um with working with a, a vet who because of inexperience whether they're uh, brand new to, to the job, like they're just out of school, or whether they're brand new to the practice, or maybe they, they moved to us. Um, you know, Dentistry is one of those hard ones. Maybe they moved to us from a practice that didn't have dental x-ray. And so now all of a sudden, there's the learning curve for them of having dental x-ray. And that's a hard place to be in as a veterinary assistant or a veterinary technician, particularly um, one who has been doing it for a while and who has developed kind of their own, their own standard of care in terms of what resonates and feels good for them in terms of the type of medicine that they like to practice and participate in practicing. Um, and ethically it, it is, it feels it, it's a, it's a hard conversation. And so, yeah, when, when I read this, I, it, it resonated hard cause I've, I've been there and it's a really, it's a really tricky situation. And I felt really, really bad for this person straight off of the straight, straight out of the gate, because hearing that they had the courage to say something and then to feel like their manager or, um, you know, their practice owner or whoever they had the ability to get up the nerve and talk to would, would just tell them it's not your job to decide how someone practices medicine and just to get dismissed in that way is really, really disheartening. And so when I read this, my heart immediately went out to the person who wrote it. Cause I, I understand, and it's a really crappy place to be in, but I'm hoping that we can kind of talk through this for them so that they feel like they have some tools to maybe not give up and to go back and try it again.
0: Right. Okay. I, I agree. So this is, this is tricky. Um, and I feel like the person has done a lot of things well, and and I think we'll talk to that as we go. So the first thing I always like to point out when we start to talk about things like this, where we have um, comparisons of standard of care between individuals, is that there's a spectrum of of care, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, care spectrum, and it goes all the way from you know mega Mayo Clinic, world renowned specialist doing a thing, all the way down to um, rural a low cost practice that's just trying to serve the population that's there with the resources that they have and they're making it work doing the right thing for the animal. And then you can go past that into unacceptable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We, we have to look at those, at those, at that spectrum. And sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what is reasonable and what is, what is not, because those are, those are changing. Those are changing metrics, right? They're changing benchmarks. So things that you would say, well, this is an acceptable standard of care. You said that 10 years ago, and now that may not be an acceptable standard of care because of what we learned and how we move forward. Mm-hmm. And so that is a tricky thing by itself. I just want to say that. I also want to call this out because I do deal with people uh, sometimes that will be trained at a certain type of style of practice. Like um, they may be trained at a really high-quality medicine, high-priced practice, and then they move for a reason, and they get a job at a medium-quality, medium-priced practice, and they feel like, oh, my God, these people are horrible. It's like, nope, you're just used to the apex of care, and mm-hmm. they are serving a different s- part of society, and they're serving it well, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's also the other side where people are trained at a lower quality care, and then they move to a nicer practice, and they're, and they're like, this is ridiculous. You guys are just gouging people. You're charging for all these things. I've seen it both ways, and I'm sure you guys have as well. So there's mm-hmm. always that. You know, Whenever I start to think so someone's not doing quality medicine, I have to... Bounce those things around in my mind a lot, and it's really hard to objectively say this person is not doing what they should be doing, um, mm-hmm. and this person is is doing great. That said, the specifics here make me feel like I would feel like this technician. Uh, I would not. I don't like this. This doesn't. This doesn't feel good as far as what we're seeing. So mm-hmm. why is this happening? And and I I say this as someone who was once a new veterinarian, a brand new veterinarian. Right. First thing is the inexperience. Someone who just hasn't done a lot of nerve blocks may not be real good at doing nerve blocks. Like we all have to learn. That is a thing that has to happen. Again, it needs to happen in a way that protects the pet. So obviously that person needs mentorship. They need supervision. They need to be trained, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's mm-hmm. inexperience. There's ignorance. There's someone who simply does not know what they don't know. They were taught a certain way. And the world has moved on or, you know, we do things differently for very good reasons here and they just don't know. And the last is negligence, someone who just doesn't care or they they are not continuing to learn. And and that's not okay. So how does this happen? I think those are the three reasons that we start to see uh, variation in quality, especially in a a younger veterinarian. I'm leaning much heavier towards inexperience. But if this is someone who does not is not willing to learn. Then now we're moving towards negligence, you know, in, in my mind. So, this is someone who needs to be raising the bar. Um, so, th- those are the opening thoughts that I have.
1: Well, and I think for, I, I agree 100% with you. And I think for the technician um, or any technician who has been in this position, I think the first part of the conversation has to be to recognize those three things. And at the end of the day, if it's not, Option one or two. If it's not an experience and it's not ignorance and it truly is negligence or it truly is this veterinarian does not care, then I think that that is a very radically different conversation than the conversation we're about to have, which is more about one or two. How do you work with an experience? How do you work with ignorance? How do you how do you coach that? How do you handle it? How do you try and make the situation better? And how do you address it? I I don't know that you can address negligence. And if you truly are in a position where you feel like something is happening, whether it's, um, negligence, whether it's just an attitude of, I don't care, or there is something that crosses an ethical boundary for you, then I think you have to understand that you have to decide how you feel about that situation And the answer may be that you have to change the situation and that may mean removing yourself from the situation and that is okay, but that is a choice that only you can make.
0: Right. I no. I agree. So let's start to unpack this a little bit. The first thing is um, did our writer make the right call going to the practice manager?
1: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. So this is a hard dynamic, right? You're the technician and you're working with a doctor, especially you're working with a new doctor, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I think the goal, the aspiration for me as a veterinarian is that I have so much trust with my technicians and so much respect from my technicians that they would actually feel comfortable giving me feedback directly. Right. And that's mm-hmm. flipping kind of feedback on its head in a lot of ways because it's scary to take feedback. And we think, oh, I don't want my technicians to I don't <laughs> I don't want my technicians to be comfortable criticizing me. Um, that's sort of the emotional thought that we have. The reality is, yes, you do. You do want your technicians to be honest mm-hmm. with you and to mm-hmm. speak freely to you. And that means a lot of times you have to check your ego uh, and you have to be open to feedback and you have to have a lot of respect for them. But that's the goal is to build that level of trust. I don't think it's reasonable to expect the technician to turn to a doctor that is new that she doesn't know you know, that she doesn't have any trust to and give that person feedback. I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's fair. I think that's a fair expectation. So I think the only answer is if you're the technician, you're in this position, there needs to be um, a hierarchy, right? There needs to be a pathway for giving feedback. And so that's for managers out there listening. Is there a pathway for technicians to report if they are uncomfortable things that doctors are doing Or is the expectation of your practice that they will sit silently? I think that that conflicts with the nature of technician education, of them being respected in your practice. Like they need to have a way to say something. I think suppressing people who are feeling that something bad is happening, I I don't think you need an advanced degree to figure out that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. So give them a pathway. If -hmm. you're the technician, I don't think this is a battle that you fight on your own. I think you go up the pathway, you go up the chain, you go up to the manager and you you go to your boss and you say – this is what I'm seeing. And I am really concerned about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're working with a, a newer doctor to um, in particular, a, a new grad, let, let's be real. Um, there are not a lot of practices where there is an owner doctor or an associate doctor who, who says, I'm going to mentor this new grad who is with them 24 seven when they're on the floor. The reality is in, in 99.9% of the practices that I've ever w- worked in, there is an aspect of the new doctor onboarding and the the mentoring process that that falls to the technician because they are with them in the exam room, they're with them in surgery. And that, that mentor doctor may step out to talk to a client or to make a phone call or whatever they're, they are a part of that dynamic. And so when you establish that dynamic in your practice, there absolutely should be, um, uh, it should be discussed amongst all parties, what the plan is and what the process is for those technicians who are working with that doctor to give feedback, And it should involve the doctor, but it also should involve the mentor doctor as well. And so I would say that there should be a path where whoever is supervising this doctor or mentoring them, and it may be the practice owner, or it may be a medical director, it may not be an associate doctor, but whoever is in charge of that person, that should be a safe first step for that technician to take. And it should be able to be discussed like, hey, this happened today, tell me what happened, like, let's talk about this as a group. Um, And then if that doesn't work, they should absolutely, all parties should know what the next step is in terms of moving up the hierarchy chain. And, and so that's, I agree 100% with you that this technician did the right thing by talking to someone in management. My concern is, is there a hierarchy established where the person that, that this person talked to is the right person to talk to? Because they may not be able to, they may not be the person that can do anything about it. And so I think having a clear chain of command when you're working with whether it's a new grad or just a new associate that you're onboarding, everybody has to know what that chain of command is and what the process is for giving feedback. If it's not going to be, hey, Dr. Work, today when we work together, this happened. If it's not me giving it to you directly, what is that plan?
0: Right. No, I completely agree. So uh, hierarchy, chain of command. I think it helps a lot if you're this technician when you go to have that Um meeting that conversation and sort of go up the chain. I think it's good to have your objectives thought out. What do you want to have happen? Like, what Mm -hmm. are you recommending? Uh, having seen this behavior. So do you, in this case, it's, it's Is it training? Is it continuing education? This person needs to, they need to get more CE. I really think Mm -hmm. this person should be mentored. I really think this person should be supervised by another doctor and the procedures that he's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to work with this person anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing to say is I do not want, this is a real problem for me. I wouldn't throw this stuff around lightly, but if, you know, if this is what you're seeing, what you're thinking, I think you go and you put that forward. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go and give them the old tomato and be like, you watch this person or I'm going to leave unless that's really how you feel and you're really ready, ready to go. Mm -hmm. But I think Mm -hmm. you can say, these are the things that I see. And when you say, these are the things that I see, speak in specifics. So Mm -hmm. this is, we did Buffy Freeland's dentistry and this is what happened. And this is what, uh, what he said. And this is what I said. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think those things are really important about what exactly are we talking about? Not just, he's not a good doctor or -hmm. he doesn't know what he's doing. That's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I, I think we go and we have that conversation, um, and, and, and definitely take it up the chain rather than going with that individual. What happens when you end up right where our writer is, where you go and you say this and the manager says, well, it's not, it's not your position as a technician to tell the doctor what he can and can't do.
1: Yeah. That's the part that hurt me ah. the most when we, when I read this, because I, I have heard that, that it's sure. not my place to tell the doctor how to practice medicine. And mm-hmm. that, that really sucks because I think my, my gut response to this on behalf of the reader or on behalf of the writer was that, as a reader, I was like, yeah, but it is like, I want to practice in a practice where I have a voice and I have a say in the, in the type of quality and the level of medicine that we're practicing as a team. And so if I've gone into a practice and I'm a part of a culture where I feel like that is the case, and then I'm told it's not your, it's not your place. It's not your business that is very disheartening and it hurts a lot. And so I don't, I, I feel, I feel that to the very core of my being. And I, because I, from everything that this writer wrote, I I get the sense that this is the case. This is someone who is invested in their practice. They, they genuinely care about the patients. And so I think that they, were, are coming at it from that place, and then to to be told that your opinion doesn't matter is is really crappy. And so, I think my advice for this piece of it goes directly to the manager, or practice owners, or the the medical directors, managing veterinarians who are in this position. The number one thing not to do is to make your team feel like they don't matter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we do the thing that I always do, which is uh, let's empathize with the manager for a second here. Um, and it's a little hard to do, but um maybe maybe this is a cult maybe that maybe the manager has flat out been told that of I don't care what the text thinks. I I I hope mm-hmm. not. I hope this mm-hmm. is not something coming down. Maybe this is ignorance on the part of the manager, a lack of training on the part of the manager. Maybe yes. they're I, I I don't I don't know. Um I'm not gonna say this person is a bad person. What I will say is that if you're a manager and and a technician comes to you and says, you know, there's a fryer in the treatment room. Um Maybe you shouldn't unload a a case of paper towels onto it. You know, like maybe you shouldn't spray it with gasoline, you know, maybe you shouldn't find the most destructive thing you can think of and do that on top of it. Right. Um, and I feel like that's, I feel like that's what happened here. Uh, I, I think any of us out there can imagine going to our boss and saying, I think that there's something that's causing pain for patients that could be fixed. Um, that is happening in our hospital and being told it's not your place to question the doctor. I think at a deep level, we all get that emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, oh man, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. And that makes me pretty mad. So my, um, so my thoughts would be, uh, I need to go back and I need to look at my core values. So if I'm the technician this is a value question for me. This is my core values. What do I believe is right? What do I believe are the guiding principles of who I am? And if I have someone who, being a patient ad- advocate, is the guiding principle for me, you know, um if 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 this is affecting me at a moral level, and she really spoke to it when she said, "This falls on my conscience, and I have to go to bed with that at night." If there's something happening uh, in my work that I'm struggling with going to sleep at night, looking at myself in the mirror, that's something that should not be blown off. And um, for me, and I think I've said this before, you know, um, at the end of the day, your integrity is all that you have. I mean, it's all that, it's all that you have. You know, nothing else really, you know, that's, that's the only thing that's left uh, underneath it all. And so, I, I, to me, this would come down to an integrity issue. Um, And so I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be there. Um, I I just, you know, I just tell you, I, I, that would be, uh, that would be a make or break thing for me, I think at some point.
1: Well, and I think um, for, for me, I, I would really encourage this person to, to go at it again and, and, and have a take two and come at it from, and maybe you did this the first time, but like people need to hear things more than once, sometimes, sometimes too many times. And so I would encourage them to have the conversation again and come at it from that place of this is what happened. I care deeply about our patient safety. I care if you're, if you're focusing on the patient safety, the level of patient care, and the standard of medicine, and you voice what your concerns are from those three perspectives, and you're still shot down a, a second or a third time, then I think it absolutely is. Okay, to say I I can't, I can't do this. I also think it's okay, like you said, to make that call here now. If there's something that is happening in your practice that you genuinely don't feel like you can go to sleep at night knowing that it's happened happening, and if you feel like you are not heard and you're never going to be heard, then I think you are absolutely justified in making a decision that is going to make you be able to go to bed and sleep at night. Because if you you want to be in an environment where you care about your patients and you feel like your whole team cares about your patients.
0: Well, let me flesh this out too. Cause, um, so I, I think that I would, I would make this decision right here. Now I would make this decision right here. Now the decision I would make is, am I okay with this? Right. If I have to choose, um, accepting this or finding another job, I am choosing finding another job, right? Like, like that is like, that is the call that I make right, right. now. Now, mm-hmm that does not mean I walk in and hand in my resignation immediately. And I want to be clear there. And so you and I are on the same page, but just know that I would roll around with this for a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but it wouldn't take long. And I also have to tell you when somebody says to me, that's not your role, that, that lights this, this little fire. I don't like, uh, I don't like that type of of feedback. Like that's hard, hard for me. Um, And I'm sure it's hard for a lot of people listening. Um, And so, you know, so much of practice and so much of life, is picking your poison. You know, it is, a uh, life is hard and it's a struggle. And the greatest empowerment that we have is choosing how we will struggle. And so how will you struggle? Will you struggle to accept this thing that's happening, you know, in front of you day after day after day? Or will you struggle to find another job and, you know, the uncertainty of starting over uh, at another clinic, which is not really starting over. I know which one I'm choosing. That's an easy choice for me. Right? So, I would make that call and say, I am not okay with this. I'm willing to go. Okay. Because this is something that is my conscience. Now, I would make that decision. I'm not handing in my resignation. What we are now, the place we are now residing is I am going to push this forward in the clinic because I'm not, I'm not ready to just, I'm not going to go in, we have one conversation, and I leave. Like I quit. That that's that that's not that's not where I'm at. And then also based on this email, um, this is someone who's committed to this practice. And and also the other thing is. The best case scenario is we end this behavior because it happening when I'm not there. Is it still happening? So I mm-hmm. do not like that. So I'm at least going to stand on my principles and see what, if I can address this behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And so we come back. Is that going back to that manager again? I think it can be. I think it come back and saying, "Look, I'm I'm serious. This is really bothering me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm really worried about this. What what what." What would, how would you feel if, you know, if you were seeing this or, you know, how am I supposed to, to get, to get past this or Mm -hmm. is it going past your manager and going on up the chain? I will tell Mm -hmm. you if I was the practice owner and you were my practice manager and this was happening in my practice and one of my texts came to you. And for some reason you said, I don't, that's not your role. I can tell you as the practice owner thinking about this technician, I hope this technician will go right past you and come to me and tell me what's going on before she leaves. And I lose a great technician. Um, I would want to hear that. And what I would say is what's the downside to the technician? If you're willing to leave anyway, what are they going to do? Fire, fire you like mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're willing to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you definitely can have these conversations and you can have them uh, more than once. And and I think you could even go up the chain if, if this is something that's important.
1: Well, and I think, um, to, I think having now being in um, a corporate environment, I've had a lot of conversations with, with friends who are in corporate practices and, are, and have had a situation where maybe they've talked to their medical director. And so, and for those who, who don't know, the medical director role kind of is like the practice owner. And, and in most practices, that's the, the decision maker. That's the be all end all. And so if you've had that conversation with your medical director and you feel like you have not been heard or that has that is the attitude that you're getting, I, I agree with Andy. And I think that it is um, an option to take it up the chain and and bypass them and go to your field leadership and have that conversation because I guarantee you, no matter what the corporation, there is going to be some sort of medical standard and some sort of ethical standard that they, as a company, have defined. This is this is what we want, and and you may need to get bigger guns and you may need more help, and so don't feel like you you can't go around that person and whether it's your manager and you need to talk to the practice owner or even in a corporate environment, like get help and ask and ask for help with how to deal with, um, the conversation. Because to me, if the, if a practice corporate private doesn't matter, if they are willing to lose, um, a phenomenal technician who cares about their patients over this, then you should know that. And you should be able to see that very clearly.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, you know, this is a question of ethics and trying to trying to do what's right. So I, I think that this is all um, I think this is all sort of a, a reasonable approach. So the first thing for me, like I said, I make a decision on on what are we looking at and how much does this matter and what, how does this affect my, my core values? Mm-hmm. And then once I make that call, I, I can't work at a place where uh, my core values are in conflict with the behaviors that I see. Like I, I just that's that's just something I've kind of learned and that I believe in. And so uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to go quietly, but um, but it does mean that I that leaving is not um, the worst outcome for me. The worst outcome for me is staying and being a part of this. And so uh, so I know that that's scary, but I would put that forward. Now let's let's deescalate a little bit, and let's hope it doesn't come to that. Okay. So um, so I think our counseling right now. So right now, going back to where we are uh, with our with our writer, uh, she's been shot down. Do you uh, go back to the manager and have the conversation again, or do you try to give feedback directly to the doctor?
1: Oh, man. Um, I That's a great question. I w- would probably try both. I would probably try having the conversation with my manager again, and depending on how that goes, if I certainly if I feel like I'm not being heard or getting help, then I absolutely would try having the conversation directly with um, with the doctor. But I, I I wouldn't I don't think it's an either or. I think for me it would be a both.
0: Yeah, I think both is the right answer. I think uh, going back to the manager and trying to bring bring the problem up again, I think is worthwhile. I think maybe trying to understand their position uh, and Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a Jedi trick and, and that's a lot to sort of unpack. But what that would be is something like going in and saying, Hey, listen, um, you know, I want to revisit our conversation from last week. I'm still struggling with this. Uh, Can you help me understand Mm -hmm. what your concerns are or, you know, or, or why, we're not going to to get this doctor some guidance or some training. You know, can you can you help me uh, help me to understand? Mm-hmm. And that's a um, that's a a more open way to go into this conversation. Especially, you run a real high risk coming back of the of the person getting the manager getting defensive and this just becoming a showdown real fast. And that's not productive for you, especially as a tech, because you're going to mm-hmm. lose. Um, and that's that's wrong, but it's what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Asking, help me understand this because I'm I'm really struggling with this. And most people, I hope, if they have the respect for you when you come back and say we talked about this a couple of days ago, and I'm still really struggling with this, I hope that they would hear that. Um, and so, seek first to understand. I, I would try to come back at it from a side position of talk me through your logic here and what you think should happen or what's going to happen in the future, and try to try to try to get on the inquiry side. As far as talking with the doctor one of the things that is um, a real defense for our technicians are defined practice protocols. Do you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're practicing in an environment and I'm so glad you brought this up because if you're practicing in an environment where um, your practice standard that everybody has agreed to is that you are going to do dental x-rays on every patient and you are going to do post extraction x-rays on every patient if that is your standard and everybody has agreed including the new doctor and um particularly if you're talking to a practice owner or um if you have talked to the practice manager and now you have to go around them to the practice owner or to a medical director to be able to say this is our defined standard when we are practicing this standard when when i'm taking the post extraction x-rays and i'm still finding roots and i'm asking the doctor what they want to do about it and their answer is nothing I feel very uncomfortable with this, and I need your help to understand what my next step should be, because we have agreed that this is the standard of care, and this is a clear violation of that, and so I need help." Then, as a manager, it becomes so much easier to say, this is not about you as a technician questioning their medicine. These are the the standards that the doctors have agreed to uphold each other accountable to. And here's a specific example that I can show them the x-rays and we can look at it and we can say, oh, look, there are the roots. Tell me, tell me what happened. Tell me why you made the decisions that you did. So it can be a learning opportunity for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And there's a lot of different ways to sort of communicate this. But that's I think that's the biggest asset is you say... This is the practice protocols. Um, and just to say something to the doctor, like, okay, so we've got a, uh, a, you know, unremarkable five-year-old German shepherd. We're doing a grade one dental cleaning. Uh, my plan is to follow practice protocols and, uh, and how we set this up. Is that acceptable to you? And I will tell you this, remembering being a young veterinarian, I loved when the technician said, are you okay if we follow practice protocols? I was like, Yes. A hundred
1: percent.
0: Let's follow what all the other doctors have decided after years of experience is a good path. Please just let's do that. I'm <laughs> just being real. you know, like that. That's it. Especially because, you know, we're talking about inexperienced real. doctor. All it's I so- wanted as, as a young doctor is for the, a competent educated technician to look at me and say, this is our practice protocol. Do you see a reason to vary from it? or would you like us to move forward and i will say let's move forward and i will watch intently because i'm working
1: well, totally or or to be like i've i've been that technician working with a new a new grad in particular who's like well what did the other doctors do and and so for me to be able to say well normally our process or our protocol is this but these are your options like these are the, these are the drugs we have, or this is the equipment we have. You tell me what you'd like to do to see the look of relief on those new grads' space every single time to, to just have an idea, even if they're going to go in a different direction, even if it doesn't change what they would want to do to just know what the other doctors are doing and know what the expectation is and what the, the routine and the standard is, is super helpful for that decision making process that happens anytime you have a new doctor whether they're a new grad and they're straight out of school or they're a new associate just to your practice to know kind of what your other doctors are doing is is supremely helpful I think to to all of them and I so I'm glad that you feel that way because I have experienced that on the other side of it as the technician giving that information to just see that look of relief on their, their faces like oh okay now I know <laughs> now I know I can actually answer that question because I know what the variables are
0: Oh yeah. I don't say this even for experienced doctors, uh, later in my career, I did, uh, do relief work. And so I would go, I would go into a practice and we would be saying doing, saying doing dentistry. Um, they will say, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and prepare this, uh, pet for anesthesia. Uh, how would you like to do it? And I, the truth is I am a new doctor here. I don't even know what drugs you have in the box. I mean, I can guess, but I don't really know. If you have a practice protocol that you and your team run that everyone is comfortable with, run it past me um, and make sure that I'm on board. But for the most part, I'd rather have you doing the thing that you're comfortable with than me getting you to do something that you haven't seen before. And now I'm working with a team of techs who doesn't who's not experienced doing the protocol that we're doing. I'm probably more flexible than they are um, in how I can kind of get myself out of jam. So let's do it your way. And as long as that sounds good before, you know, before we go in, I would rather support you than, than me make it up myself. And so that's even for an experienced doctor. So that's, I think that, that that's, that's important. That's your friend. I, I have always loved it when technicians said to me, this is my plan. Are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. Great. In this case, I wonder if we couldn't say, this is the plan for this patient. Uh, are you okay with that? Or would you like to make changes? Um, would you like me to go ahead and do your dental blocks for this Mm -hmm. procedure. Just tell me which, where we're going to work first and Mm -hmm. make, make the offer. I think that you can be as a technician, you can definitely say things like, um, would you like me to show you how I was taught to do this? And again, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not something I throw out unless we're in this port right here where you're like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit if this doesn't change. And so Mm -hmm. what did you got to lose? But that is a a softer way to say, let me show you how to do this.
1: Well, but I think, I think you're right in saying that it's softer, but I also think it opens, it is softer because it opens up the door to say, this is what I learned. And maybe I didn't learn the same way you did. And so it's not about you're doing it wrong. It's about, this is, this is the training that I had tell me about the training you had. Like, how did you learn how to do it in school? How did you do it at your last practice? Let's make it a two-way conversation instead of, I feel like you're doing this thing wrong. This is what I want you to do differently. And, and having feeling like you're having that conversation and you're hitting your head against a brick wall. Well, you're hitting your head against a brick wall because it's not a dialogue. It's a statement. And so if you open up the doors and you make it about, this is what I learned. Can you share with me what you learned? It often can take away that that sting and make it that two way street.
0: I, no, I completely agree. Um, some of the things that technicians have said that I've heard that I really liked are things like, um, "Can you help me understand why you do it your way so that I can be of more assistance?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, I really. Like, there's a couple different ways to say that, but I, I like that approach. I think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very passive. It doesn't step on the ego. It opens up the dialogue. Um, I like, I, I like the way that we do it in our operations manual is different. Can you walk me through your way?
1: Ooh, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah. and that's cause, cause, you're giving, like yeah, cause you're, cause you're laying down a couple of things, you know, you're laying down the fact that there is an operations manual and yeah. there is a way that we tend to do this. And the way that you're doing it is not that way. And I am providing you with all that information in a very, um, passive way. And so, um, I mean, I've had that when I've gone and worked, but I've been a new vet at a new clinic and, and it is, we do things different ways, you know. You come from different places, you have different training, you're used to having different tools, different drugs to work with. Like this is not bad; it's just true of practice. And so, I've had a technician say, "That's not how our operations manual has us do it." Can you walk me through why you do it this way? And what I'll generally say is, like, well, you know, this is the way I, I have a lot of ex- I have experience with. This is why I like this way. Can you tell me about? your operations manual, or can we look at that together? Because if that's how everybody else is doing it, I may need to make a transition to be more in line, uh, so that I can better use the technicians. And that's, that's all true.
1: Well, and I think if you're in a process that has a developed standard of care, or even if you don't have an official written operating manual or standards of care, if you have a generally agreed upon way that a majority of the doctors in your practice are practicing medicine and you have an outlier or outliers as a technician, another way that you could approach this is to go back to your manager, go to your practice owner and have the conversation and just say, I feel like the majority of the doctors are doing X. And I feel like we have some team members who are doing Y. I would love to have a doctor meeting where we can talk about what, What are we all doing to try and make sure that we are either capable of getting on the same page, or if we are not capable of getting on the same page, are we at least practicing the same basic standards or are we practicing two different types of medicine? Because I, you know, I think that the concerns that the the writer had, things like um, having, having challenges with extractions, um, things like charting and blocks and stuff like that. Those are all things that routinely in practices you have, um, you know, if you have more than one doctor, you have different doctors who have learned things different ways in school, or they took dentistry as a one-time elective. And now they're in your practice and they're trying to figure out how to just get through it and get it done. And they, they may be very receptive to hearing how everybody is, is doing it so that they can learn. And so as a manager, one of the things that I require of my doctor team anytime we have a new doctor whether it's a new grad or just a new associate who's joining the practice is that we spend a series of time going through how are we doing things as a group so that everybody has so that that doctor has the opportunity to buy in that there's time for them to with the other doctors ask make it about them as doc- a doctor team they have the opportunity to ask about the standard of care and medicine with the other doctors because i think that takes the technician and whether the technician can talk about the level of medicine or dictate to a doctor's how to practice the type of medicine, it takes that out of the conversation completely. And it makes it about the other doctors all sitting at the same table and having to discuss and maybe justify what they're doing to each other as uh, uh, people on equal playing fields. They all have veterinary degrees and so they have the ability to have that conversation and it takes you as the technician out of it. And so for, for our writer, that's a really good way to go back to your manager, go to your practice owner and say, hey, I, I feel really uncomfortable about this. I would love to know where the other doctor's heads are at. And I would love to make sure that we're all on the same page. Could we arrange a, a doctor's meeting where the doctors can talk about this all together?
0: Right. No, I, I love that. And I think that's a tool that a lot of people should put in their tool belt, um, I think that's a great tool. As a doctor, if you're looking at other doctors in your practice and feeling like maybe we're not all practicing the same level of medicine, I've heard that uh, a number of times, and we could definitely do a podcast on that if, if it's of interest to people. But um, one of the approaches is that rather than going and doing a doctor duel where you battle over whose way is better, which is a... Mm-hmm generally a dumb battle that is really hard to to win and even if you do win it doesn't tend to change anything the more productive conversation is about continuity of care as we transfer cases and then it's also giving um standards to our technicians so that they can be more effective for us Mm -hmm. and so that we can all have one voice and one message to the pet owner And then it's not about I'm smarter than you. My way is better than yours. You're in the past. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's about, I'm sure your way is wonderful. Um, Let's all talk together and let's talk about the technicians and we can review medical standards and we can come up with a plan that everybody agrees on. And we all know. And again, not about me being a better doctor than you purely about us getting on the same page. And once you get people to open up that way, we can do a lot of education very subtly, but we can really move people. Um, I I think that's kind of the the same type of thing. Again, that can be really hard when you're the technician, but I do think that that's the better conversation to have with your manager than you need to fix this. This is not
1: okay. right? Because you're bringing a solution to the table. And so we said, okay, you have two choices. You can talk to the manager or you can talk to the doctor and you can give them feedback or you can do both. I think we've talked about how some, some solutions for how do you address it with the manager, how you address it with the practice owner or a medical director, but how do you have any suggestions for how to, especially as a technician, how to have kind of a coaching conversation or, a, or, or a difficult conversation with a doctor and give them the feedback directly about what is, what is bothering them?
0: Yeah. So I do. Let me, say up front, this is a high risk maneuver. And I do not, I do not advocate for this in, in a relationship that doesn't have trust, right? If, if this is a doctor that, you know, that you have worked with, I think that there are definitely ways to do this. I think when you don't know this doctor very well, this is really hard. So the only time I would probably do this or have this conversation is, uh, when my back was against the wall right mm-hmm. and so the um the conversation that i would probably have is again i would think about what i want to accomplish i would think about what this doctor seems to care about what motivates this doctor is it patient care is it you know i, I don't know is it pro, is it production I, I hate to say that but is this you know, someone who's money motivated, like wh- whatever their, their motive is. I like money motivation because it's easy. It's a great example. It's easy to work with. And mm-hmm. so if I have someone who, um, is re- they want it, they want the best care for the pets and like, that's what they care about. I am going to engage this person in a conversation about patient care. And essentially what I'm going to say is, you know, I'm very comfortable with doing dental blocks and things like that. i you know, I know that that patient care is the utmost importance to you. I'm not sure that you and I are on the same page as far as the, the medicine that we're we're practicing. Can we talk about, about patient care and providing the best outcomes to patients? Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about something this person cares about. If we're talking about, if, they, if they're they driven by production and they want to make more money, then I'm going to have a talk with them and say, hey, can we talk about um, the cases? Can we talk about how we're working these, um, these pets up and what we're doing? I know that um, dental blocks are a revenue driver, you know, I know that there there are ways that we can raise the standard of care for these cases and make them a more productive case for you. Um, I I hate to, you know, I, I hate to use that example, but it's just an example of finding out what a person cares about and then framing the conversation in terms of what they are interested in.
1: Well, and I think the reality is, is that it's not, if someone is financially motivated, that is not a bad thing because at the end of the day, they're going to make more money if they're practicing a higher quality of patient care. And so even if you were not money motivated, if you feel very uncomfortable addressing that, you can still come at it from a place of, yeah, I want to make sure that we're providing the best level of patient care possible these are some things that we could do that we're not currently doing, or this is how we could differently do things from the way that, that you and I have done them so far. Um, In, in addition to keeping the patient pain free um, making sure that they are comfortable, whatever, whatever your patient care driven response is, it is also going to benefit the practice financially and benefit you financially, because we're going to capture revenue on this charge, this charge and this charge. So it is still a way for you to come at that from a place that feels morally and ethically okay for you, but also address their needs. Because there's nothing wrong with being money motivated, as long as they can also see the flip side of it to for you, which is that it is about the patient care. Because you're, you're saying the end result is the same thing on either side. You're looking at it from different sides of the coin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let me just be really clear there. Um, I'm not talking about padding a bill. I am talking about... Right. Emphasizing if this person is really focused on their student loans, um, emphasizing the benefits of a higher standard of care financially, right? If that's what that person cares about. I'm definitely not advocating for, you know, yeah, doing anything that that is unethical.
1: Well, especially if it's things that other doctors in your practice are doing, right? Like if your standard of care is is that we're doing post-extraction x-rays on every patient and you're working with a doctor who's never had dental x-rays, and so they don't think to do that, if you can say to them, this is something that I would feel more comfortable doing, because this is what we usually do in these cases, how would you feel about this? They, if they are many motivated, they are going to be able to see that. And exactly like you said, it's not about padding the bill, because you're not actually doing anything differently with this doctor than you would with any of your other doctors, but you're coming at it from a perspective that, that resonates with them.
0: I agree. So let's summarize all of these things. So based on what we've got, uh, you know, our technician has been to the manager has been shot down. Um, the first thing for me is to, uh, is to sort of do a values exercise and figure out how much do I care about this? Uh, is this keeping me up at night? What does that mean? And then at that point, I think, uh, if we decide I am willing to, to leave over this, then I think we've got a lot more leeway to go and, and to be, uh, be open about having conversations with management, talking to them about what we need, uh, and, th- and even talking to the doctor as well and, and talking about standards, talking about, you know, us getting on the same page as far as the medicine that we're doing and things like that. Um, and if, if there's still no change, then I, I, think, you have to, I think you have to go. And the, the great news is the economy is good right now. There is a shortage of technicians, especially technicians that really care deeply about pay, uh, patients yes. and that want to practice a high standard of care. I do not think this is going to be a, a big problem for you. And, uh, and you can definitely move on. I think that you are doing your practice a favor by going back again or going up the chain and saying, guys, I really have a problem with this. This is not who we are. Uh, This is, this is not up to our standard of care. I, if I was the practice owner, I would feel that you were doing me a favor, maybe not immediately, but it was, it would settle in on me that you were trying to help me by uh, being honest about what you saw. Do you agree with that?
1: I do. I do. And I think even, even the manager or practice owner who may have gone to their technician and said, um, you know, it's, it's not your decision to tell a doctor what they can do, or you don't, you don't choose the type of medicine that they practice. Even if you can get past that hurt and you can address it with them and say, Hey, this is, this is what is really bothering me. This is why it's bothering me. This is what I care about in terms of our patients. If you can have that conversation again, there, there are times where I have said as a manager things to my team that I, I did not in any way intend for it to come off the way that it came off, but I didn't think twice about it. But when someone brought up, Hey, I've really been thinking about this and, and this upset me and here's why, Oh my gosh, you guys, the the ability to see that is like, Oh, I did not, I did not mean that. Like I, you know, I, I am so sorry. And sometimes it takes hearing that, like, I, I, I don't know that maybe they did, maybe this, uh, you know, practice owner or practice manager that talks to the technician, maybe they absolutely meant it is not your role as a technician to tell the doctors how to practice medicine. Maybe they meant that. And as a technician, if I truly know that they meant that, it gives me more information to make my decision because I don't want to work for someone who feels that way. But maybe they didn't. And if they didn't, I want the opportunity to help them see that and to figure out how we can work together moving forward. And so I think approaching it again and being willing to have the conversation a second time is really, really important.
0: I think, I think that's such a great point. It's such a great point to end on. If you've ever been in a fight with a significant other, you know that sometimes you say things um that later on you go, "But I didn't mean it that way. That's not what I'm that's not what I would, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was trying to say." And you know, we all make mistakes like that. And I can tell you as a leader, I am sure that I have said things that people later on have, have said, can you believe Andy said that? And I, I mean, you know what I mean. I'm I'm sure I have I have miscommunicated. I, I think we all have. And you know the other thing too is we say this pretty much every week. You don't know what people are going through, what battles they're they're fighting. Um, yeah. The person the most likely to say to you, well, that's not your role. You know that that may be a person who's really struggling. I mean, th- you know, honestly, it's amazing. Sometimes um, I have been in situations where. I will go to leadership and I will say, Hey, I have this problem and they will snap at me. Mm -hmm. And later on, later on, I will find out the reason they snapped at me because they knew it was a problem and because they themselves were really struggling and they didn't know what to do. Right. It was Mm -hmm. bothering them. And then when I come and say, Hey, this is a big deal, they don't know what to do about the problem. So they snap. So they snap at me for, for Mm -hmm. saying that. Right. And I just, we're all human. We're all, we're all doing our best. I think going back and having the conversation again, especially if you decide it's it's, it's that important, I, I think um, I think that that's good for a lot of reasons. So, Steph, thanks for talking through with me.
1: Yeah, this is a good one. And uh, as we said in the beginning, if you guys have heart issues that you're dealing with in your practice, and and uh, you want to make me cry when I read your email, <laughs> then send us an email, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I said this is uh, this is a tough one, but I, I, you know, I, I don't want this us to just take. One. Yeah, it is really a good one, and I'm sure people out there disagree with some of the stuff we said, and that's fine because this is one of those things. I, I don't know that there's a right answer. There's only perspectives and philosophies. Um, but I think I think you and I both sort of laid out what we thought, and I think we're kind of in the same place. Uh, I'm sorry to anybody who's out there dealing with that. This is this is tough, but um, you know, if you um, if we can ever help, let us let us help. Send us an email, yeah. and we will do our best. Take care, guys. Have a great week. Bye. And that is our episode. If you have questions for me and Stephanie, just shoot them over to us on an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And we will see you next week.